Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, and joining me all the way from, from England, right? Uh, the legendary Scotland. beat writer. Oh, Scotland, my bad. Uh, yep. I certainly don't yep, want to make those two up at this point. Bernoustie. Uh, that's right. The uh, the legendary beat writer of uh, the Star Tribune, Mr. Jerry Zagoda. What's going on, Jerry? Not too much. It's about 10 o'clock here, and I uh, just finished a long day. I am actually took a week's vacation and always wanted to see the British Open and not work it, and uh, so I did. So I came. So, And then while, while I'm gone, there's uh, always NBA news. It never stops. It's 24-7, it's, uh, 3, 365 these, these days. So, uh, um, But uh, I haven't had my phone on, but I understand there's a bit going on with Nemanja Belitsa. See, there it is. Now you can say it. I, say that again for the people because I don't actually, know that. Actually, I, I think I, I think I screwed his first name up. I think it's actually Nemanja Belitsa. Belitsa. Okay, so uh, yep. Yep. Belitsa. There's... Or you can just call him Belly if you want. Just call him Belly. Belly. Well, I don't know if Kings fans are going to do that because of the Marco Bellinelli uh, situation here in Sacramento. So, uh, so anyway, he's uh, an interesting player. He's a 30-year-old combo forward. Uh, the Sacramento Kings are apparently in talks to land him on a two-year deal. We don't know all the dynamics of it yet as as far as Thursday when we're having this podcast. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about who he is as a player? Um, can he really play the small forward position, or is he more of a stretch four? Uh, what's your, your thoughts on who he is as a player? I think he's probably more natural stretch four. I think he has a little bit of trouble guarding uh, small forwards. But uh, he is a former guard. I mean, he was a point guard growing up, and then he had a huge growth spurt. Now he's 6'10", 6'11", but you still see those point guard skills with him. He is very uh, skilled and talented, and um, you know he's a former EuroLeague MVP and uh, had trouble in his three years here, both with injuries and not always getting enough. Uh, at least he didn't think he had enough court time, so he, he would get going on kind of rolls, and then something would happen, and he never would seem to kind of really sustain it and build on it. And, um, you know, I'm not sure they, they wanted to bring him back. I'm not sure even if he wanted to come back, if he wanted a, a fresh start. I know his family liked living in Minnesota, like Minneapolis. Um, but um, I don't know where that that would have gone. But they did want to try to bring him back. They just couldn't get a deal on, on the money. And then they turned their eyes to quickly to Anthony Tolliver instead. Yeah, it, it does seem like family is playing a huge role in what's going on with him from what we've heard. Uh, he was kind of disenchanted with joining the Philadelphia 76ers on a one-year deal because he would have to uproot his family for eight months and then maybe again next year. So it appeared he was going back to Europe, but now we're hearing that uh, Peja Stojakovic and Vladi Divac, uh, two, of course, Serbian, uh, Serbian former Serbian players, uh, reached out to their countrymen and said, hey, man, you, you're, you're too good to go back to Europe. But stay here, uh, come to Sacramento. Um, is that surprising to you that, that he was ready to bolt to go back overseas or did you kind of get a vibe from that, uh, from him on that side? 
Well, just some 10,000 uh, miles here overseas looking, looking at it. Um, I just think he, I think it was a money thing. I think that's what it all was. I'm not sure it was family. I think he just, I think he felt probably undervalued at um, four and a half million. I think they wanted more. I, I know the Wolves offered him a, a, a one year deal and probably consider significantly more than uh, what Philly offered him in, in the deal. But uh, I think they wanted a two year deal and they wanted more money and they didn't get it. And all of a sudden the Wolves didn't want to be stuck with, with nothing. So they went and, and grabbed Tolliver, as I mentioned. But I think it was strictly money. And I think he was just sort of like, he wasn't happy with the Philly deal. And it was like, you know, I'm just going to go home. And then I, I don't know if it was done with the intent of stirring up interest with other teams or if it just worked out by happenstance. You know, Roddy said, hey, you're, you're too good to go. And and we'll keep you. But I think, I think this is all strictly money. I think they adapted pretty well uh, from what he told me and from what I could see uh, adapted pretty well, his family and his two young kids to, to Minneapolis. And I think they, you know, I think they like the States. I think they liked Minnesota. So I just think it was a case of where he was disappointed that he didn't get more. You know, Jerry, when you look at the, the way that the Timberwolves play over the last couple of years under Tom Thibodeau, where it's so starter dominant, is that a tough atmosphere to play in for, for guys who aren't one of the top five guys or maybe the top six guys? Uh, they feel left out in the cold a little bit, or does everyone kind of understand their role and it is what it is? Well, I think he probably was frustrated by it a little bit. Um, you know, I guess you should know with your eyes wide open, you know, what, what Tibbs does because it's no uh, secret, but you know there were stretches, particularly like when Jimmy got hurt, uh, Jim Butler, and you know he he gets some playing time and he would get on kind of a groove and find himself, and then uh, you know something would happen. Either you know Jimmy obviously gets healthy and comes back, or he's had problems with ankles. You know he had he's had a couple he had another injury. I can't remember what it was, but uh, a year ago and uh, two seasons ago in March that kind of ended the season. So um, he just never really got in his, his first year. He was just adjusting, you know, he'd get pick up two fouls like that and would be sitting every game, just adjusting to the game and adjusting to what a foul is and what a foul isn't. And then the second and third years, he, you know, he could, you could tell he's got talent. You can tell he's an NBA player, but he never, I don't think he ever really got the momentum that he wanted to get. When you look at him, uh, you were quick to say that you think he's more of a stretch four that he'll have a little bit of issue defending the three. Um, but can he actually be an NBA quality defender at, at either position, or is he more of just strictly an offensive weapon? Uh, we have seen some breakdowns of him where it looks like he's a smart defender, just maybe lateral quickness and things like that get in the way of, of his ability to stay in front of elite athletes in the NBA at the NBA level. Well, I think, like you said, he's, I think he's knowledgeable. I, I think he's driven. I, I think he wants to be a good defender. I think he just has some physical uh, limitations and uh, you know I, I just don't think he put on the unit that was a really bad defensive unit with uh, you know Jamal Crawford and Tyus Jones who tries as well but is very limited physically too and um, uh, when they had uh, Shabazz Muhammad it was just a team that you know you, when you, you say the Wolves are horrible defensively and how could this be with the Tom Thibodeau team well their starters actually weren't that bad but the second unit they were terrible and uh, I think he kind of got dragged down by that a little bit. All right. We're speaking to uh, Jerry Zagoda of the Star Tribune in Minnesota. Uh, we don't want to keep you all day. We got to get you to bed. I mean, you're in England. You're eight hours ahead. Well, you're in Scotland. Excuse me. You're eight hours ahead 
Um, but I, I want to ask you about the the Andrew Wiggins situation there in Minnesota. Do you think he's he's there for the long term, or do you think he is a player that uh, a team with a lot of cap space like the Sacramento Kings might be able to go in there and say, look, if you're willing to dump most of that contract and not get a lot back in return, uh, we would be more than willing to listen. Well, they've got to be careful because, um, you know, this thing is set up. Uh, they obviously got the trade a year ago for Jimmy Butler, but everybody else they acquired other than Jeff Teague were all on one and two year deals. Think he was a three year deal, but they, they did this intending to sign Wiggins, sign Towns. And then even in the worst case scenario, if the Jimmy thing didn't work out and everything blew up, you know, they still have these two guys signed, you know, their, their future, two really young guys signed for, you know, max contracts or max years. And, uh, but what happens if, you know, Jimmy all of a sudden says, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to play here. Um, and I'm not going to be back. I'm not going to resign. You know, I don't think you can trade, and maybe they will, but I don't think you can trade Wiggins without knowing Jimmy's future. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden he's gone. You've traded Wiggins for, you know, pennies on the dollar, and you still got a good piece in, in towns to build upon. You certainly can do that. But, I mean, your big plan is just completely blown up, and I just – I can't see them doing that. You know, maybe they, maybe they will because they're going to be pressed. I don't I don't see them paying three uh, their owner anyways, Glenn Taylor, pay, paying three max contracts, and this team can you know get to like the Western final finals or something like that. And that ain't happening anytime soon. So uh, I just I you know people talk about it, but I think you've got to wait and see. Now maybe you know Jimmy comes back and these guys pick up where they left off last year and they hit a launching point. And, you know instead of 47 games or 54 games. You know, they're not in the seventh seed and they don't get their brains beat up by Houston. But um, I just I, I just think you can't you, – you've got to wait and sort of see how that's going to play out before you trade them. I just don't think you can do it. You know, maybe they do it eventually, but I'd, I'd be surprised. And I wouldn't do it if I were them this uh, summer unless, you know, you know for sure that Jimmy says, hey, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm signing a long-term deal. and You've got options, I guess. Yeah, I hear you there. All right, and you know, while you're gone, the West got a little bit tougher. It looks like uh, Carmelo Anthony is on his way to Atlanta in exchange for Dennis Schroeder. Uh, so OKC lands Schroeder and a bunch of cap relief. It looks like Carmelo will be bought out and likely signing in Houston. So two major competitors. Everybody goes to Atlanta to be bought out. That's right. That's right. Uh, and a lot of Kings fans are wishing they would come to Sacramento so they could be bought out. Uh, but it hasn't worked out that way uh, so far this summer for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us on the fly. Uh, enjoy your vacation. Uh, you know, have a good time taking in a bunch of golf. That sounds like a great time. That's uh, unbelievable. We're getting uh we're getting Sacramento summer weather here for uh, for the Open, which never happens. So you're getting a little rain tomorrow, but uh, the last couple of days has been beautiful, and the course has been baked out because it's been like that all this summer, and it's supposed to be nicer on Saturday and Sunday, and then, and then back home eventually to, to Minnesota and the NBA. Yeah, well, hopefully it's not 105 like it is here in Sacramento this week. So uh, enjoy your trip, and again, thanks so much for jumping on with us. You are listening to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. Wendy's new Berry Burst Chicken Salad is a perfect summer meal for busy schedules. Packed with fresh strawberries, blueberries, grilled chicken, and topped with raspberry vinaigrette, it's bursting with summer flavors. Available for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Also, we're into boat safety here on the Kings Insider Podcast, so... 
Let's listen to a little Boating and Waterways conversation about boating safety this summer. I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose baits, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports. I am James Hamm. Uh, my good friend Doug Christie, he is unavailable this week. He's uh, traveling somewhere with a wife. Um, so I've brought in a pinch hitter. I've gone to the bullpen, and we've brought in uh, News 10's Sean Cunningham. Sean, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing good. Filling in for, being here for Doug is like, you know, I could say those are big shoes to fill, but I think he and I wear the same same shoe size. So, um, yeah, it, he, he is definitely a, an honor to be on the podcast in his, in his absence, for sure. That's right. So uh, we've got some Kings news. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, nothing is confirmed as of <laughs> as of Thursday. Uh, Wednesday, the news broke uh, that there's a possibility that the Kings have added a Serbian combo forward, more of a stretch forward than anything else, but uh, Bielica, uh What are we hearing as of right now, because I think you and I can probably compare notes and come up with something that, that tells the listeners where exactly this thing is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think interest is certainly there. Um, obviously, Vlade has a, a very strong familiarity, him and Peja, with with uh, Nemanja Bielica. And I think that, um, look, I, I think he addresses a need in terms of stretch four, um, possibly being a three. I don't think he's a three and D but definitely a guy who can stretch the floor, definitely a guy who's well-liked by teammates, and definitely a guy that can shoot. Now, beyond that, what can he do? Well, not a whole lot, but if you remember back in that game last year against Minnesota, he was part of the problem that, that really gave his length, really gave Kings a lot of fits. So I think that's appealing. But as far as is it is it something that's going to happen, I think it's certainly an option, and I think they're kind of kicking some tires on it. I'm not and, – and who knows, it could blow up here in the next – day or two and, and then here he is a member of the Kings and it would make sense. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not so sure that it's actually going to happen. To be honest, I think there's some other things that they like. I don't actually know who those people are, but I think they're just, you know, trying to keep a lot of options open at this point. Obviously they've taken their time and here we are, what, 20 days into free agency and we still haven't seen a single move made. Um, so from that standpoint, aside from the trade of Garrett, yeah. Tom what do you mean they they, they they got Ben Mclemore? What do you mean, Sean Cunningham? <laughs> I know, man. I, uh, yeah, they did Garrett a favor. I, you know, it's it's crazy. It, it, that's that's all the that's all the movement I felt feel they needed. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just addressing a need. It's a guy that they've they've identified. The thing that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop was seeing on Twitter that his agent um, with Wasserman took David Pick's uh, report about the money and, and about the years and about even in, even interest in Sacramento and making it sound like it was going to happen. And he kind of drew Pinocchio over the top of it and crossed out David's name. So I didn't really get a strong feeling from that. Um, I, but who knows? I mean, this is, there's so many kind of funny things that happen in free agency that um, if you're settling for a guy like him, I think he could do a lot worse. Um, but yeah, I think he definitely addresses a need, but then again, it's another big on a team full of bigs, but I think people cringe at that. And you just got to look at it and go, man, there's plenty of offseason left. Yeah, I think there's plenty of offseason left. And, and Sean, like doing the research on him, I found it really strange. Uh, if you if you go into basketball reference, you can look at his top five 
position, uh, like his top five lineups that he plays in. And I think four of mm-hmm. his top five lineups that he plays in, he's playing alongside either Towns and uh, and Gibson or Towns and uh, Gor- uh, Gorgie Jang. So mm-hmm. he's the three. And I did the math, and of his top, uh, of his top, you know, five rotations, the top ten. Uh, he played something like 503 of his 900 minutes, or 517 of his of his 903 minutes at the small forward position, which I was surprised because he doesn't look like a small forward at all. He's a six no, foot ten. He he's kind of lumbering. Um, I don't know that he's a guy that, uh, if they're pushing the tempo, can get up and down the floor. But I'm also the guy who's been beating this drum senselessly. That it's not just a small forward they need. They need a combo forward who can stretch the floor at the four. And I don't care if they have seven other bigs on the roster, which at this point they do after the acquisition of Deontay <laughs> Davis. Uh, so you, what do you have? Yeah. You have Kufis, uh, you have uh, Zebo, you've got uh, Marvin and Harry, uh, you've got Willie, you've got Scal, now you have Deontay uh, Davis. Uh, and then on top of that, you're you're talking about adding Bielitsa, but to me, you have to add that stretch four position. Once his team let go of Anthony Tolliver, uh, you saw that there was a glaring weakness at that spot, and so I, I kind of like it. Uh, I, it just can't be the only move they do when they they have twenty point five million dollars in cap space. Uh, at least I, I don't yeah, think that's what they can do. No, I'm with you, and I mean, you know, you and I have talked over the over the past, you know, few weeks, and we've discussed about, you know, how this team has cap room, and I think we talked about even going into, even into the off season, which in for the Sacramento that began in April, but uh, for the, for them to look at what they how they could get better and how they could address needs, free agency's nice, but it seems like the the, the trading making trades is what's really going to help them because. Um, Sacramento obviously not being a destination. And then I think we may have even overlooked the fact that I think we all thought that, look, yeah, next year, next year, next year, it's going to, it's, that's kind of the free agency period. That's kind of where everyone is looking towards, but I didn't, I think I took a little bit for granted how much guys are really relying on the one year deal. Um, and, and I know that's not attractive to uh, the Kings front office um, case in point, you know, in discussions that I've had in terms of, you know, even guys like Mario Hazonia and how, you know, the reluctance for him to commit beyond a one-year deal was not attractive to Sacramento, which is one of the reasons why he is now in New York and thinking that he can test the free agent waters um, a year from now and and be kind of a guy who's coveted and maybe get a little bit more money um, and had an unwillingness to want to be in Sacramento beyond a one-year deal. Um, I think that's, you know, that, that's something that I think a lot of free agents have uh, uh, had in the back of mind, which is no matter what situation, be it Sacramento, be it elsewhere, um, they're not looking beyond one year. And I think they're looking to commit. If they've got all this money, they don't want to do these one-year deals. They don't want to do these small deals. They want to kind of build something, and they kind of want to have someone around and have, have someone here. So, plus, it also, if, it's a, if it ends up being a good signing, it also makes them a little bit more appealing to some trade markets, too. Um, if you have a guy that could be locked in for another year or two and has a, uh, a decent contract that's not, uh, you know, an albatross around the franchise next, I mean, is definitely appealing. Yeah, and, you know, you bring up Mario Herzonia, and to be honest with you, I think not a lot of Kings fans know, but 
Mario Herzonia was in Sacramento on on July first. Well, yeah, actually, for three days. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he was here in Sacramento. The Kings had mm-hmm, an opportunity mm-hmm. to sign him, um, but for me, if I'm looking at at him specifically, not no one else in this market, because I think it makes sense to sign short term deals for some players. I think if you look at next season, uh, you came into this offseason, there was roughly two hundred fifty million dollars in cap space and hardly any teams with any room at all. And that money got spent super fast. And then next season, uh, coming into the beginning of this offseason, there was $750 million uh, in cap room next summer. Of course, a bunch of that has been eaten. It's, it'll probably drop down to like $500 million. But you're talking about twice as much, caps, uh, twice as much cap dollar um, and a whole bunch more teams that, are, that will have cap space next summer. So next summer is appealing. But with Herzonia in particular... I don't understand why a guy who really has done absolutely nothing, he's a rookie scale right. guy who who didn't even get, he's a, what, the fifth pick in the draft, doesn't even get his fourth year picked up, and he's going out there trying to get a, a one-year deal. Man, take the money and right. run. If you're getting a two-, three-year deal, um, what would be, I just can't imagine what would make him think that this is a good idea if he goes to New York and he gets lost in the shuffle? He could be out of the league next year and not have an opportunity well, think, to go sign this money. Yeah, and I think to your point too, though. I mean, luckily he's got youth on his side. Um, I think that it's so funny, even even <laughs> even looking at what he did. I think there's a lot of people who still think he's like this great shooter. He's not. He's not this great shooter. He's um, he's just kind of is what he is. He, he kind of fell out of favor in Orlando and he was looking forward to free agency the most. And that's why I think a lot of people thought that, yeah, this guy could be had for a, a two or three year deal. Um, so it was surprising to see him go to one year and him, his insistence to do one year, uh, especially in the market, like, like New York, but so many of these European players, they're not concerned with that. They, you know, they always look at, Hey, I can always go back to Europe and make a lot of money. I, I <laughs> so, guess so. They and, can and enjoy and, and Yeah. They can and pull a Yorgos. The they can know? pull a Yorgos Papianis and just go back to Europe for five right. years. Yeah. Well, and, we were, and we're talking about Bielitsa. I mean, he's that's something that he was prepared to do. He was turning down Philly. He was heading overseas. He they had identified European teams that he was already going to sign with, and you know, as the as as from what I had heard, it was you no, know, it's Lottie having a conversation with him, saying, "Hey, no, I think the NBA is the best thing for you, and we have an opportunity here." Now that doesn't mean, you know, look, they're they're Serbian brothers. They're going to be they, they they know each other. He's he's somebody that Vladi's somebody that he's. Mm-hmm. Um, known for a very, very long time. And it's like, a, you know, he's regal. He's like, you know, if anyone could call, if, if you had an American player who could call Kobe or LeBron James and bend their ear, that's what they would do. That's kind of similar to what's going on. But, oh, by the way, Vladi's team has a need for somebody like him. Um, so I think they're, <laughs> I think it's interesting. I, I, you know, the one, I mean, I'm talking to the right guy because I know you know the Catholic, like in the back of your hand. And yes. I, I should know this and I don't have it in front of me, but how far are they from the floor? I don't even know if they're how far they. I remember last year they had to sign guys to get to the minimum. How far away are they from that? They're ten point three million from the floor. Even if they signed Bielitsa yeah. to a to a two year, so and what I'm hearing and what we're kind of seeing out there uh, is a two year uh, six point something and six point something right around a thirteen million dollar deal over two years. Um, whether that's the final number, whether he actually signs with Sacramento, um, my point is that they're still going to have roughly four million to spend just to get to the floor, and that's before they right. start doing other things because they make this deal for Davis and for Ben McLemore, and you and I both know 
and neither of those guys are part of the plan. They're not part of the plan at all. They got one point no. five million dollars from from Memphis, which just happens to correspond with the exact dollar amount that Davis is due this year. Uh, and if we line that up with what right. we saw in the Papiana deal last year, where they got two point six million dollars, which covers his salary for this entire year, it makes sense that neither of those guys are long for this for this team. Macklemore, uh, I I don't know where he goes from here. He's a sweet kid. Um, but the Kings have already been there, and they've already done that, and they have no interest in bringing him back for another tour of duty. Um, and so, and then we also see Sean this this other rumor that's out there today, which was probably one of the weakest rumors I've ever seen in my entire life. But that the Kings may have already had conversations with the Rockets about Ryan Anderson. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ryan Anderson. Yeah. You and I both know you've known Ryan Anderson probably since he was like a yep. freshman in high school. He's a great dude, but the yep. Kings are not just going to give up all of next summer to take on another, to basically pay $41 million in Ryan Anderson for what, like a 28th pick in the 2019 draft? I mean, that's not even worth and, it. Yeah. Go ahead. And for a guy, and for a guy who we don't even know that can, is even all that healthy to begin with. I mean, he's, he hasn't shown the ability to remain healthy. He's had injury after injury. He's, had the same nagging injury from what I've heard he's healthy but and he certainly would address a need but he's got if I'm not I don't have it in front of me but just go off the top of my head I think he's got two more years right two more years at this staggering 20 million dollar number which again if you remember <clears throat> Kings kicked the tires and hit, wanted to bring him in under that contract as when he was a free agent he chose Houston and it just hasn't gone well over there I don't even know that he chose Houston just so people out there know I, I talked to Ryan Anderson right after that deal and from what I gathered from him they got to a certain point with both teams and the Kings said, all right, you know what? We're good. And they pulled back. And so he was left with Houston mm-hmm. as, as, as his option. I think the Kings got close. I think they were probably in the 18 to $19 million a year range, but what they wouldn't do is they wouldn't go the full 80. And so Houston did. And now they're kind of paying the Piper for it. I mean, Anderson, he's only 30 years old. Again, he is a great dude. And, and I think he, he makes a lot of sense. But Bielitsa at a third the price, less than a third the price, makes a lot more sense because it's a short-term commitment. It's a movable contract if you if you do have a need to move it. And so I, I do believe that they're a very similar player at this point. Uh, Bielitsa might even have a little bit more versatility to go over and play uh, the three. Now, Anderson might be a slightly better player, but... We're talking about a team that already has seven bigs. How many minutes are there for either one of these guys? Yeah. I certainly well, wouldn't make a move to take on $41 million over this year and next year. Yeah, and, and no question. I mean, again, I, I think people get caught up on the number of bigs and the number of players on roster. I mean, I keep I keep telling everybody there's a lot of offseason left because, again, they've made one trade that's essentially a, a favor to Garrett Temple so that he can go somewhere and be able to play. Um, and be able to play meaningful minutes, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever happens to Macklemore and Davis, I, I, you know, I actually think Macklemore will probably be here if he's not part of a different package later on, but I don't think Davis will be. I, I think he's going to be likely gone, just like you mentioned with Papa Giannis from last year. Um, but more to that point, you know, we're talking about Bielitsa, and I think those are guys, I, the ones that I'm wondering is who are some of these other guys that they're, that they're thinking about? Obviously, Rodney Hood still remains unsigned, um, mm-hmm. but likely Cleveland will match whatever he gets. Um, I, I was asked, you know, I always have a fun moment. I don't do it too often just because it kind of 
not only annoys me, but it kind of annoys some of my followers, I'm sure, on Twitter. But I like to do a uh, a, a, a Q and A on Twitter every time I'm coming back from summer league. And I saw I it. Sponsored yep. by Southwest. Yes. <laughs> and and one of the things that you know people are wondering, you know, like someone asked me like who I think, and I said I don't know this to be to be sure, um, but guys that I had identified early on, especially after we were probably a week or so after the free agency period had opened. And I said, you know, with the way the market has gone and the way these players have been, two guys that I had liked for them as a 3 and D guy that wasn't a restricted free agent and were just outright, you know, available. Um, I, and people may cringe at this, but I said, you know, I've, I've really honestly liked from what I've seen from Michael Beasley over the past two years in New York. He's made it work. He's got just a little bit of enough crazy to where um, I think the Kings can handle his crazy. I don't think it's something that's going to be totally bring down the culture, bring down the locker room. I think it's handled now. I think he's older. He's made the last, last two years in New York really well. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that's, you know, almost 50% shooting his shooting from beyond the arc has been really, really good. And he is a, he's a guy that's been just an elite scorer his entire life. I cringed. I cringed when you said it. Now, obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least in capability, he's capable of being that type of guy. And I think, look, whoever they bring in as that, three and D guy. Now, obviously Michael Beasley is not the most tremendous defender in the world, but he is a scorer and Kings need scoring in, in the worst, worst way. And I think he's certainly a guy that really kicks your ass every time you play him. Every yeah. time the Kings play him, he shows, he, he is unbelievable against them. And then the other guy, um, and, and he has kind of got a local tie in James Nunnally, a guy who played with Bogey at Fenerbahce over, over overseas and was an MVP in the league. And, um, has, has really kind of earned his stripes overseas. And I think this is the year where he sticks to the NBA and he's total three and D guy. I don't know if he's a starting three, but he's certainly, he's certainly a serviceable one. He can stretch the floor and he's a fantastic defender. He's somebody that, that I've liked uh, over the past few years, because I, when he came into the league, I'll be honest, James, I didn't think he'd be an NBA player. Obviously that showed to be true, but what I've seen overseas and what I've seen him develop and his body has changed so much. My goodness, that guy, he looks like an NBA player. and He's put up some fantastic numbers. In fact, uh, he he put up better numbers than Bogey did on his team. Uh, he was a much more much more uh, important piece to that team than Bogey was at that time. And I, I just think a really special thing. But and, there, and those are two guys that are relatively cheap. You don't have to go out and throw a lot of money to. You don't have to throw a big commitment to. But you know, yeah. Why would you cringe at Beasley? I'm curious. I'm just I just want to well, see how, what what you would say to that. I just think he's a former number two overall pick who who has never been able to really get it straight and. While I think the Kings have done a lot to rebuild the personality in their locker room, I do worry a little mm-hmm. bit. I worry about uh, just him, uh, Iman Shumpert, uh, you know, Zebo. I think we've got a good taste of Zebo, and we know he's a he's a good dude, and we know what he's all about. Um, but when you take away Vince Carter and you take away Garrett Temple out of a locker room that you know has historically been a little suspect. Um, I, I think that they really did improve the personality that was in there. Um, I, again, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that Zebo is going to play at all this season. You know, as far how many minutes he's going to play per game, I, I don't think he's part of any master plan at this point. Um, I'm not sure where Costa Kufis fits in. So now, what if those two aren't part of the plan? What if they aren't playing at all? And now uh, you just have these other two guys that I'm just not sold are. Um, eh, you know, guys, again, when you're comparing them to a guy like Garrett Temple uh, or a guy like Vince Carter, they're just not in the same league as a locker room presence 
and uh, and so I, I'm well, a little. And, and he wouldn't be that. Yeah, yeah. He and not to cut you off, he wouldn't be that. I mean, this guy's still a guy who is looking to play and looking. He's been humbled by all the press that he had early on and mm-hmm. some of his things that have gone wrong. And that's kind of what you need. I mean, Sacramento's always been a a place for it's just weird look bring you know hand us your unwanted and you know the guys that are that, that can bounce back and anywhere from vernon maxwell to chris weber to run our test i mean there's countless guys like that and throughout king's history that have come to sacramento and have uh, kind of turned things around and the other thing is if you bring someone on like him it's a, it's a low risk high reward and if it doesn't work gone you know it's gone. no I, I get that and i would even say oh well i'll just my rebuttal would be i also saw the antoine wright's the Terrence Williams, yep. the Luther Heads, uh, guys who got to Sacramento and this was their last stop in the NBA uh, and were never heard from again in the league just because, sure. you know, again, yeah. again, it's kind of like a, it's a last ditch place for some players to land and say, can I, can I figure it out and put it all together? So I am maybe slightly intrigued by Beasley. Uh, it's just tough. I went to do a slider of the remaining free agents um, and I got like five deep and one of those was Marcus Smart, which as soon as I went to do this saying it, he, you know, got into negotiations. Uh, and then to be honest with you, like number four, um, was, what's his name? Uh, Williams that was waived. Um, oh, he's a lanky small forward. Uh, and the other was Jakar Sampson. Uh, I mean, that's how bad the free agent market is. There aren't even legitimate starting level small forwards. There might not have been even in the beginning outside of a couple of guys. And I really like Rodney Hood. I think you and I both know Dave Yeager has spoken just glowingly of Rodney Hood. He's the guy that he wanted in Memphis and really started. uh, He wanted them to draft him and then they didn't and things went downhill from there. Um, But I, I think it's... It, it's one of those deals where you could see him fitting in maybe in a really high up-tempo small forward at 6'8", but not really strong enough to man the position. But you're going to have to pay him so much. And it got to a point where I thought, okay, well, Cleveland's like $11.6 under the cap. Uh, and then they went out and they, they waived Kendrick Perkins, and all of a sudden they're $14 million, $15 million under the cap. And I'm, well, right, 14 right. And it's like, okay, well, they're going to match a deal even if it's 14, 15, 16, 17, that's a good amount of money. And I don't think the Kings should go that high on a player like Rodney Hood, who hasn't proven that he can play defense, that he can play the small forward position. You don't want to tie your money to a guy that isn't a perfect fit when it comes to like a 14, 15, 16 million dollar deal, because now you're talking about some serious cash long term. So I don't know. I don't know what the Kings are going to do, Sean, but yeah, and uh, I, I, I tend to go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. No. I tend to agree with you. I mean, I, I think, you know, Cleveland Cleveland is in a situation where they have to pay Rodney Hood. It doesn't matter who's offering the money. It's kind of like Boston with Marcus Smart recently. It's uh-huh. They have to keep him. Um, and, I, and, you know, the Kings might be able to disrupt something or maybe force some sort of, you know, trade situation. But I don't I – don't, I just can't see um, Rodney Hood signing outright with the Kings and then, the, and then Cleveland just going, okay, yeah, we're fine. Goodbye. I just can't see that happening. Especially yeah, they, in the situation that they're in. <laughs> yeah, they gave up a lot to get him, and and if you really look at their roster, I mean, after this season, they'll be out from underneath the contracts of George Hill, and I think, I think Kyle Korver, and so a lot of their cap woes for this season uh, will be alleviated um, very very soon. So 
All right, Sean. So if you're a betting man, uh, we, I, I don't want to keep you all night, but uh, you got to go camping. I, you know, you're you're gonna go sleep under the stars. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I am. It, it's the reality of your life today. So, uh, <laughs> so I don't want to keep you all day because eventually you got to drive out into the woods somewhere. Um, but if you're a betting man, what do they do here? Do they walk into the season with? you know, 14, 13, 14, 15 million in cap space and see how the season plays out. Uh, you don't have to get up to that floor until the end of the season. Or uh, do you see some sort of Hail Mary here that no one saw coming that just goes, oh, wow. I mean, again, I talked to Jerry Zagoda on the front half about the possibility of Andrew Wiggins, and he kind of said, look, I don't think that they can do it because of the Jimmy Butler situation. If Jimmy Butler leaves and you trade Wiggins, now you're in a whole bunch of trouble, um, you know, because now can you even retain Towns at that point? So I think that right. one's gone, but is there another deal out there that you just say, huh, I didn't see that coming, but, you know, kudos, look at that. Yeah, I mean, to answer the question, I think that I think that they do make a move. I don't know how big it'll be, and I do think they're going to take, they're going to carry on some cap room into the season. I don't think that they're, I think ideally they want to keep a, a roster spot open going into the season anyway. Um, but you wouldn't know that by the amount of players that they have on the roster currently, which is why I keep telling people a lot of off season left. Um, yeah, I do think they're going to make a move. I don't know if it's the hail Mary move or it's the big move. that's going to, you know, be like, you know, someone that we may have suspected all along that they still have interest in is auto Porter. I don't think mm-hmm. that they can pull something like that off. I think it would definitely be, somebody that they had identified and definitely would like to kick the tires on. But I think Washington's probably going to remain set with that going into next year. Um, I think they kind of have to, to be honest, especially now with the addition of Dwight Howard. So um, we'll see. I, I, you know, I, I don't see the move that's out there. I think that, that honestly, just, I don't think much has changed to be, um, they have, they're now the team that has the most money in cap space. Um, they are the ones that, that kind of control a lot of things, but at the same time, some, there will be a team out there that becomes desperate or has to make some sort of move, and it might be them. And I honestly feel that for their cap room and what they have, I don't think they're looking to try to get rid of it anytime soon, but I think they've a lot, they want to be able to use a lot of that in acquiring pieces. And I don't think, much like with the move that they just did with Garrett Temple, I don't think they're out to make a move that makes them worse than they are. You know, And I think you know, when you look at it, Garrett Temple statistically didn't have a fantastic year last year. But he was tremendous in the in the locker room. Mm-hmm. He was tremendous for the growth of the team, and he was tremendous in the community. Um, and and his defense was something that was that you needed. I mean, it was so contagious that doesn't show up in the box score all the time. Um, you know, I, I I don't necessarily fault them for doing it. I think what they did was honestly make a really strong um, over, uh, overture to Garrett and did him a favor to find him a place that he can actually play. And and who knows what what happens with Ben McLemore? It's you know, such a great kid, but I, you know, <laughs> I don't see him. And I mean, we talked about it, not in the future. Yeah. Um, who knows? If he, I don't even think he has a tremendous amount of value, but I do think there might be a team out there much like Memphis not long ago, which looks at the youth, looks at his shooting ability and goes, why can't this work? Like, why can't, why, why can this kid not work? Why doesn't he shoot the ball more? Why doesn't he become more of a, of a, a selfish player on the court? I mean, that's one of the things I used to frustrate me about Sacramento when he was here was the fact that, Hey Ben, shoot the ball. <laughs> ben, do something offensively. Terrible handle. Wanted to be a good teammate and tried to improve in every area. But some of the things you wanted him to do, like Hey Ben, we know you can score. Do it. Just do it. Uh, why don't you do it? 
Yeah, I agree. And so, look, the Kings are at 15. Their roster is at 15 as of right now. Well, I, their roster is right. at 14. If they if they do, in fact, sign uh, Bielitsa, they go up to 15. That means that in order to make any move, uh, they're probably going to have to clear up at least one spot. I'll point this out. I love Garrett Temple. Uh, I, I will miss Garrett Temple. Mm-hmm. He's a great man and uh, had yep. some great conversations over the years with him, uh, both on the record and off the record. I just think the world of him... I'm glad he's in a place where he's going to play because the Kings were very honest with him and told him before he opted in, if you opt in, you are probably not going to play hardly at all, if at all this season. Uh, So go and look and see if there's something better for you. He wasn't able to find something better. And I'll point this out too for Kings fans. Uh, By splitting his contract into two pieces, they actually did themselves a huge favor. Uh, It's not as easy to move an $8 million contract as it is a $5 million and a $1.5 million contract. They're just much easier if you look at the dynamic of their roster and, and the way that their salary cap was built. Um, any deal that you make on the open market has to be within 120% plus or minus. And so if, you sign a, if you're going to take on a $10 million player, uh, you either have to have $8 million coming back or you, you've got to have $12 million, somewhere in between that $8 to $12 million range. And that's not easy to do all the time when when you have uh, roster spaces with a bunch of young players. So they don't want to touch a bunch of the young players, but all of their vets are at 11.7 or 11.4 or 9 million or 8 million. So you didn't have like these movable pieces to use in a deal uh, that requires bigger puzzle pieces and smaller puzzle pieces. So I think that's one of the reasons they did this to break Garrett's contract up. I yeah. think, and, and people want to know why, why not trade Iman Shumpert instead and it's just because, look, Amon Shumpert might be four years or five years younger than Garrett Temple, um, but he just hasn't played. And he's been injured so much. And Temple has this uh, this glowing reputation that when you bring him in your locker room, he, he helps mend fences and, and do all of the things that we saw out of Garrett Temple. So I'm going to miss him. Uh, but I think I think it kind of it makes sense for what they're doing. They have so many players that can play that that two, three position, well, at least that two position. Um, and Garrett really wasn't a natural three. And I think we all know that. No, he, he wasn't. No, I mean, they had to rely on him as a backup point guard a lot of the times. And that's actually a point of, you know, it's actually a glaring need also as a backup, backup point guard right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, no offense to Frank Mason, um, and I don't take a whole hell of a lot away from summer league, you know, whether a guy plays well or not, you know, it's just, I always say, does the guy look comfortable? Does he have confidence about him? And those are two things that Frank Mason has in his favor. Now he played terribly in summer league. I thought he was awful. I thought the, the whole, the whole summer league team was terrible. Um, I thought the, the, the offense was really struggled. And I think you can just really put that a lot on the, on the, on, on not having De'Aaron Fox as you did in that first game and things mm-hmm. look really, really good. Um, but that's kind of a little bit of a, of a, of a question mark going into, and that's one of the reasons why Zach Levine, you know, yeah. such a, uh, such a, a, a target of Sacramento and such a guy that they looked at as say, who kind of like a playmaker. We think we can do this. Um, and, and someone who has NBA experience as well, um, not to go all the way back to the draft and, and kind of bring up the Luca discussion again, but it's, it's definitely a point of, of need. And um, one of the reasons you see Marcus smart kind of tied to it, aside from just reports out there. I mean, I always said that wasn't going to happen. They both share the same agent, De'Aaron and Marcus do. And, you know, no agent's going to put a guy there to hinder either one of their growth. So it's not yeah. like they're going to help each other in that respect. So um, sometimes these things just kind of explain themselves. 
Um, but but it is backup point guard is definitely a point of need for the Kings. I mean, they never really um, replaced George Hill, um, and not to say that you know not to even go down that road again. But they do need somebody in that regard, a backup point guard, and hopefully a veteran in that regard that can help kind of move this team along and help the offense because. No offense to Frank, it's just I don't have a whole lot of faith in him to be able to be that guy. Yeah, I think we're going to have to let time tell on that one. Uh, I thought that he actually did a nice job of setting up his teammates, uh, but he still has the same issue that he gets to the rack and doesn't know where to go. Um, I don't think he was helped at all by the lack of talent on the Summer League roster. Um, having no legitimate shooters around him really did hurt him. Yeah. Uh, it really closed down passing lanes. I think it really it made all of the players look a little bit worse than that what they will look like when uh again De'Aaron Fox or uh or Bogdan Bogdanovich or or Buddy Hield are launching shots all around them so yeah we could we he's could just, hold he's a, just not a, he's not a number two yet he's not a number yeah. two option yet I mean he's I think as a combo guard as somebody you bring you know as a third guard sure I mean that I think he's fantastic and he could grow into that but yeah I think we agree and and you know People don't. We're talking about how awful he was in summer league, and if you look at it, you go, "Wow, he averaged he averaged eight assists." That's why summer league stats don't mean a damn thing. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he was first. He was tied for first in summer league. At, at one point, he was tied for first uh, in assists per game for the for yeah. the entire tournament. So yeah, I, I mean, I think they're gonna have to figure that out. But I also think that the plan is to have Bogdanovich play a ton. Uh, and to have Buddy Heel play a ton. And if they can keep those guys out of the small forward position, but have them play together in the backcourt to have De'Aaron Fox play with them, but to have Bogdan be a a one-two, a, com- a true combo guard, uh, I think mm-hmm. the, the minutes for Frank Mason probably were going to be light anyways. You know, we're talking 14, 15 minutes a game. And can you steal 14 or 15 minutes a game with Frank Mason? Probably. Uh, you just don't have that extra extra piece back behind. And again, Seven bigs, uh, something's got to give because this roster is all tangled up in the in the big position, and uh, you're going to have to rebalance it somehow, whether it's trade or it's waving guys and just picking up other guys. Um, there's just not a lot out there that can help this team. Uh, Sean, thanks so much for joining me at the last minute. Uh, again, no Doug Christie. Uh, it, it was great to have you. We went long, and you know, I think that that happens when we start talking Kings basketball. It does, even in the summertime and the in the direct of summer. And we got, I love seeing the preseason schedule come all the way out already. And October 1st, the first preseason game, seems like it's starting earlier and earlier every single year. It's just right around the corner. And uh, we can really enjoy another month before we start kind of really look bearing down and saying, okay, well, training camp's right around the corner. Uh, absolutely crazy. Training camp is just around the corner. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider Podcast. Thank you to Jerry Zagoda for coming on to the front half. Uh, Sean Cunningham from News 10 for jumping on here in the second half. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, Doug will be back. No promises here. That guy's a jet setter. He's all over the world uh, with his uh, his reality star wife. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's a busy man uh, doing busy things. But we'll try to get him back in here uh, for next week. So uh, for Sean Cunningham, this is, I'm James Ham. Thanks for tuning in to the Kings Insider podcast on NBC Sports California. You've been listening to the Kings Insider Podcast brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, please visit Apple Podcasts or Google Play to subscribe. And if you like our podcast, give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at NBCS Authentic. We'll be back next week with Doug Christie and another great guest. Thanks for tuning in, Kings fans. We'll see you very soon.